running now, huh? Okay, fine. We are now on the air. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Bone Ditch by Ian Bird. My name is Ian Bird, and this is Bone Ditch, my ongoing writing project. Uh, you can find more about it, as usual, at www.boneditch.wordpress.com. And we're here now at the start of chapter four. Um, this is a bit of a change of pace from now on. Instead of a sort of an ongoing story, we're now at a part where we're going to have individual standalone short tales. So hopefully that will make it easier to jump on and off again. Um, chapter four is called A Feast of Fiends and Saints. And this is Gobbit 10, which is called Gilt-Edged Mirror. Elliot Rent kept better files than any of us could have hoped. Years later, when her van was eventually found and dug up out of the ditch, we found dozens of notebooks. Elliot wasn't around anymore to fill in the gaps, of course, but she had done such a wonderful job of curating her case histories and suspicions that we could work out pretty much everything without having to make too many guesses. She had been accumulating these stories and histories from the beginning, from the night of the car crash that had started it all, and now they were ours. Statements and polemics and shaggy dog tales from the army of witnesses, victims and suspects she had tracked down over the years. She had been keeping the faith, building a mystery, arming herself with an account of all the unnatural angles that her bone ditch could come at her from. Elliot Rent had gotten to know her bone ditch by studying her diet of fiends and saints. For instance, I get out of the bath and immediately feel better. The water was much too hot, but that was the idea, and I lathered myself all over, far more than I usually do, so that eucalyptus mint stink is all over me now, and that scalding water has scoured off the smell of everyone else. My skin is smooth and soft, inoffensive, and my heart is fluttering, feeling light from the intense heat. My head is blurred, but not tainted. It cannot focus, it cannot be dragged down, it's just rippling and cosseted. I laugh a little. I've dimmed all the lights in the flat, turned the heating all the way up. I couldn't tell you where to find down from here. I should light some candles. I collapse on my sofa, the ceiling foggy with the steam of the bathroom. The music in the background is light and familiar. A woman's voice singing. She sounds like she should be my friend. I think people could imagine us as friends if we were lucky enough to meet under the proper circumstances. I have a friend who has assured me, credibly so, that the traces I left behind do not meet the legal definition of evidence. My friend is a good source on these matters. He sees things the way an enemy would, but he is always on my side. He tells me that I should think of proof the way that I think about proof in a bottle of booze. Proof as a scale. It's arguable, people might like to believe that proof defies and sets it in stone, but it doesn't, not really. A shandy isn't going to make you as drunk as a belt of whiskey, is it? But they're both proofed. I think that's how he put it. I shouldn't have thought about belts. I put my robe on. It's a kimono I bought in Japan. They wouldn't use the word belt in Japan, they'd say obi. That sounds more sophisticated. I know things like this because I travel a lot. I like to meet people. I think most people who know me would say that I'm open-minded, empathic, that I can always sympathise with the other guy, the other girl. Travel broadens the mind, makes you a better person. Everyone knows that. So I make myself a drink, a large whiskey in that glass I like. I drink it fast and the hot burn is pleasant. You could clean a wound with it. My head gets still lighter. The world seems far away. Outside my windows, the night is black and cold and oily and wet. That wind would strip you. Rain is spattered hard on the windows like blood whipped from skin. That world is cold and horrible, and I can tell that it is trying to break in. But it is miles and miles away from where I am now. My friend has suggested that I might feel better if I check, tentatively, for signs online. I wasn't sure about that, but my friend has good instincts. He has 
unutterable clarity. His decisions are inarguable and correct. He relies on instinct, not doubt or rumour or suspicion. He says that from my laptop here in my flat, it'll be like looking down from up high, from a safe distance. The world is cold and horrible, but so very far from here. I switch on the laptop, I go onto the internet and I check her Facebook page. She hasn't posted anything since lunchtime. A short, cute video of a tame fox play fighting with a man, laughing and cooing off camera. Watching it now, I can't help but think that the fox isn't playing, she just doesn't know how to make her nips count, to make them hurt the man. Meanwhile, that man off camera, who is pinning the fox and letting her snap at his hand, is laughing like a child. I don't like his laugh. I don't think anyone who watches the video would really laugh along with this man. Any anyway, nothing since that post at lunchtime. This isn't ideal, but it doesn't prove anything. That word again. I look up her favourite friends. She has 347 friends on Facebook, but only about 40 or 50 that she connects with regularly. It didn't take me long back at the start to figure out that some of these are friends from work, some of these are friends from university, others members of larger groups, different communities, not necessarily tight with one another, not necessarily touching one another, just noisy. I look over their pages. They're all active, posting and liking and commenting. That's good. I admit it, although I really shouldn't, I really shouldn't have to, but I was worried that these friends might be quiet as well, as if they were all off somewhere else with her, talking about me. I look up her very best friend. I don't like that I didn't want to go to her very best friend's profile page first, but bolstered by these other friends, who don't seem to think that anything is wrong, I look at her very best friends as well. Her very best friend is happy, and commenting on photos a friend posted from a recent night out, her very best friend isn't worried about her, isn't with her, isn't concerned. I can look up all these details because I know her Facebook password. I know that doesn't look good, but her password was easy to work out. Having a good imagination is hardly anything to feel weird about. Besides, she has nothing to hide, nothing to be afraid of, no one is worried, no one is doing anything bad. It's a normal happy night out there. I log off her Facebook page and log back on to mine. That looks normal too. I've replied to all my messages in a timely fashion. There is nothing suspicious there. I post that I am listening to Kate Bush and that The Sensual World is my favourite album. I put on this woman's work, then go back and add to my post that I love this song so much. This is all completely true. I've received a friend invite. The name of the would-be friend is Melanie Cole, but I don't know the name. The thumbnail picture of her is of a very pretty woman, very pretty, very, very thin, very pale face, long black hair, it falls down over her face. Mysterious, not my usual type. Dark eyes, really dark. She shows all her teeth in her smile. I don't really want to think about how pretty she is, but I open her profile page anyway. She can see that I'm online, so it might be suspicious if I don't act on the invite at once. Yes, she's extremely pretty, and she has hundreds and hundreds of friends. This makes me suspicious, but her feed is authentic, not just a lot of links or shares. She's flesh and blood, not a bot. She hasn't listed a job or a location, and she doesn't seem to have any friends in common with me. So how did you find me? I know what my friend would say. He'd warn me to be careful. But I'm not sure why. Melanie Cole. The name's familiar, isn't it? I Google it, but just get a lot of German women I don't recognise. A couple of Pinterest pages to do with fashion and photography. I don't see anything suspicious. I'm not sure why I should be thinking in terms of being suspicious. My telephone doesn't ring, but I pick it up anyway. On the other end of the line is my friend. Think about what you are doing, my friend says to me. I like his tone. It's instructive, it's clear, it's easy to believe in. I'm just being polite, I say. No. No, you're not. You want to fuck her, don't you? And my friend is right. And I remember that I shouldn't really be thinking like that just now. 
I look at Melanie's picture. She is attractive. I am attracted to her. I am aware that my skin isn't as soft anymore, that my head isn't as light. I feel... What's the word? You feel corporeal. You're back in your body again, says my friend. He's right. I didn't expect to feel this way so soon. No, says my friend, that isn't right. You didn't expect to feel all right feeling corporeal again so soon. My friend is right again. I check the windows. Is the world getting in? You feel exposed. No, no, I don't. You should feel exposed. The flat is suddenly not as womb warm as it was before. The wind and the rain and the night and the doom from outside haven't found a way inside my flat, but suddenly something isn't quite right. The atmosphere has changed. I should light some more candles. I pour myself another drink. It's wonderful, and the burn that that whiskey scours all the way down my throat is illuminating. It's intoxicating. It makes me cough. A snag. Like a fingernail on fabric or on skin. The drink is very alcoholic. My head reels, but not unpleasantly. A reel is another word for a dance. I said that earlier tonight. I cough again. Another snag. Reminds me of a broken fingernail. Blood. A reeling head. Giddy. Off course. Pissed. Off-piste. Off-reservation. Lost. A break. I reach for my phone, but I can't find it. I've put it down somewhere else. I think about proof. Lights start to go off in my flat. Candles flicker and die, choked out. The contrast gone, I can suddenly see through the window and out into the night. I think about being out there in the dark, and the wet, and the cold. And I don't want to. I'm looking at Melanie Cole's photo on Facebook. I've never seen her before in my life. But she is familiar. Where do I know her from? I don't understand. That's my mother's picture among her gallery of friends. My mother isn't on Facebook. My mother's dead, isn't she? Why would Melanie Cole be friends with my mother? Why would anyone be friends with my mother? That isn't a question that I ask myself. I don't even think that. That belongs to another voice. Someone is speaking for me. No, not my friend's voice. Where is my friend? I want to fuck this woman. I feel angry with her that I want to fuck her. Sorry, do I know you? I type to her on my laptop in response to a friend request. The answer comes back immediately. I can't feel beneath my waist. Is she flirting with me? Are you okay? I type, in case I need to be concerned, or need to be behaving as if I'm concerned. I'm wet down there. She is flirting with me. I look at her picture again. I don't think about my mother. I don't think about my friend. I pour myself another drink. What have you been doing? I type. I like those asterisks I've put around have. Makes me sound playful. I cough again. I hack something up. I swallow it without spitting it out. Was it blood? Something snagging, connecting. Something connects. I can't think clearly, says the message. Everything's fuzzy. <laughs> Lucky you, I type back. I think he put something in my drink. I stand up, away from the laptop screen. Nothing is smooth anymore. There is drag on my skin. Contamination. I think about being dragged. I'm wet down there, is the message. I'm covered in blood. Are you safe? I type. I don't think so. She's still typing. I should be in pain. Why aren't I in pain? I should be in pain. Why aren't I in pain? I should be in pain. Why aren't I in pain? Over and over and over again. Maybe you shouldn't be in pain. Maybe everything's fine. Why am I typing? Why am I engaging? Isn't this contamination? Why am I asking questions? That's the first mistake. I should know what to do. I should be able to make the right decision. I shouldn't be in any doubt. Doubt is contamination. Doubt is infection. Doubt is other people. I've caught this from someone else. And I'm instantly furious. And then immediately desperately sad. I feel crushed. I stagger to the floor of my flat. I can't see the laptop anymore. But I can still hear typing, can't I? How is that possible? I cannot hear my mobile phone. 
but my friend must be trying to get in touch with me, surely. Where is my friend? Where is my phone? It's like my sadness, my sudden sadness has a gravity and I cannot get out from under it. It pulls at me harder than hooks. So much pressure pulling at me that I can, I can barely breathe. I'm coughing. Something thick and black is coming out of my mouth. No, I'm not sad, am I? This isn't sadness. This is a crushing pressure. This is, I don't know what this is. This isn't guilt. There's no evidence. There isn't enough proof. Proof is a scale. I've done nothing wrong. No one can say that I've done anything wrong. There shouldn't be any feeling. I drag myself up from the floor. There on the laptop screen, I can see that the photograph of Melanie Cole is actually a photograph of a bleached white grinning skull wearing a long black wig. I've made a mistake. It's a photograph that, in fact, I am posting to my own timeline. Not a picture of anyone sending me an invite, but a picture of me that belongs to me. And I've already written a caption to the death's head photo. It says... I should be in pain. Why aren't I in pain? I must have done something horrible. I should be in pain. I can't hear my friend's voice. I go back into the bathroom and get back into the bath. The water is cold and black and oily, like bile. I don't shiver as I go down deeper into the water, into the black bile. Suddenly, I have a sharp knife in my hand and I cut open both my wrists. At last, I am in searing hot pain. It is phenomenal, burning. It scours me from the world. It's good that I'm in pain. Before I close my eyes for the last time, I look at the woman's skeleton sitting upright on the toilet seat next to me. Her long black hair is draped over half her face, but the half of the face I can see is looking at me and smiling. She looks grateful, like I've done the right thing. The skull is laughing at me and I join in. Then I fall asleep. The pain isn't so bad. It's so much better than what comes next. To be continued. Thanks for listening.